Well, today it is our privilege to have Reverend Milton Basil bring the message. And just before he comes, I want to just show you a picture of him and his dear wife, Angela. Normally, uh, Reverend Milton Basil and Angela are here in the sanctuary with us when we're allowed to have in-person services. They are a wonderful part of our Rosewood family and they are members here. Pastor Basil has uh, ministered and he has pastored for many years in the Toronto area and he has pastored in Greece. In fact, uh, he and his wife are originally from Greece where I was born as well. And I've deeply appreciated this couple over these last number of years as I've gotten to know them, as they have worshiped with us. And I thank God for the encouragement that, that I receive and others in our church family receive from them. Sometimes Pastor Basil will send me some very heart-moving stories, very touching stories that I share with you. And there's a story that he told me recently that I'm looking forward to sharing with you at the appropriate time in the future. So would you just join me in welcoming Reverend Milton Basil. God bless you, my brother, as you bring the message today. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Nick, and good morning to those who are here in the sanctuary, the few that are here, and the many that are watching over the internet. Amen. Well, Easter, we are in the Easter season, is not only a one-day event. Easter uh, starts from Resurrection Sunday, and it goes all the way to Pentecost. Amen. And in my homeland, Greece, we say... Christos Anesti, and Pastor Nick this morning told me, Alithos Anesti. Now, translated, it means Christ is risen, and he is risen indeed. And during the seven weeks, in many, many countries, this is the way Christians greet each other as they want to emphasize the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, this morning, I wanted to share with you some truths that the Lord showed me from St. John's Gospel, chapter twenty verses 24 to the end. It's a well-known story, and I'm sure you will learn some things as I learned as I researched a lot of those things. We read now, Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be unto you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we know that unless the Holy Spirit gives us insights and illumination, it's all for naught. And I pray, Lord, that just as you met Cleopas and his wife, Mary, on Resurrection Day, and for two hours, you opened up those messianic prophecies from the Old Testament, that you may now visit us with your Holy Spirit and open our eyes. And may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Sister Rose was directing the Easter play, and she was managing the casting. And she wanted each one of the members to feel comfortable with their role. A 10-year-old boy by the name of Norman, he insisted that he wanted to be the rock at Jesus' tomb. Sister Rose asked Norman, would you not like to have one of those speaking roles? But Norman was adamant. He said he wanted to be the rock. The Easter play went smoothly, and Sister Rose afterwards interviewed Norman. And she said, why did you not want to have a speaking role, and why did you want to be the rock? At this point, Norman gave a great smile and said, oh, it felt so good to let Jesus out of the tomb. <laughs> it felt so good to let Jesus out of the tomb. Yes, during the Easter season, the 50 days until Pentecost, it feels so good to celebrate this amazing victory over death. And I personally believe that when Jesus came out of the tomb, even though it's not in the Bible, he was laughing, he was smiling. Now you say, where do I base that? Well, Revelation chapter 1, when Jesus appeared to John the Apostle in the Greek island of Patmos where he was exiled, what did he do? He showed him the keys of death and hate and said, look, I overcame them. And I'm sure he didn't have a long face, right? He must have been smiling and rejoicing. I believe that there are folks that sadly don't want to believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. In the U.S. and also in Canada and also across the world, there's a group of people, there's a society known as the Flat Earth Society. The Flat Earth Society. I, I couldn't believe it. I checked them out on uh, YouTube, and I have two friends who belong to it. Now, those people, they have conventions, they have books, they have paraphernalia, they have uh, videos. And after this message, maybe you can check them out on YouTube, just put Flat Earth Society videos and you will see some of their reasoning. Now, unfortunately, those people, even though they vigorously maintain that Earth is not a sphere, but it's flat, they reject the facts. For example, you show them a picture of Earth being 
a sphere, right? You remember in 1969, the astronauts from the moon, they took a picture, and it was a sphere, a beautiful blue sphere, right? They said, no, 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 this is Hollywood. And they will give you amazing arguments, and they say that there's a conspiracy to brainwash them. Let me ask here in the auditorium, how many of you believe that the earth is flat? May I see your hand? No one raised their hand. I'm sure nobody from the internet and the Zoom meeting either. You see, this example shows us how people can have volitional, willing unbelief. Volitional, willing unbelief. One week after his resurrection, Jesus confronted volitional unbelief. In the Aramaic language, Thomas means twin. The Greek word is didymos. Obviously, Thomas had a twin brother. Now, in John chapter 11, we have the story of Thomas with the other 11 disciples being away from Bethany where Lazarus and his sisters resided. And you know the story how Lazarus was sick and he also died. And then Jesus says, let us go and wake him up, meaning to raise him from the dead. And in John chapter 11, verse 8, we read the disciples, the 11 disciples, they said, Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you there. Yet you are going back? But in verse 16, we read, Thomas said, let us go also that we may die with him. Let us go also that we may die with him. Yes, Thomas loved Jesus and he was willing to die for him. You see, even though I will say some things that are negative about Thomas, I just wanted to bring up that he was a very courageous individual, a very loyal individual. And he was willing to die with and for Christ. Today we will examine three points. Point number one, doubts rampant. Point number two, doubts refuted. And point number three, doubts renounced. Let us look at the first point, doubts rampant. From the Gospels we find that Thomas was an emotional person. And that Thomas was an introvert. The crucifixion and death of Christ had caused Thomas great pain. And due to his temperament, what did he do? He isolated himself from his friends, and he wanted to mourn Rabbi Jesus alone so that he could cry unhindered. In my pastoral ministry of 35 years, I have discovered that many people are like Thomas, introverted and emotional, who when they are down, they isolate themselves from friends, family, and church. Friends, this is not good. This is bad. And I think after 14, 15 months of isolation with COVID that we've had, right? We've had this time right now. We all know what isolation does to people. Addictions have gone up. Divorces have gone up. Uh, depressions, suicides, everything just went through the roof. And it's all because of isolation. Isolation creates many other emotional and physical problems with many inner conflicts. 
when you are hurting and you're in pain, repressing those emotions and feelings inside you, or suppressing them, it's harmful. Let me repeat it. When you have those terrible feelings, repressing and suppressing will not solve anything. It will harm you. The emotional problems, they need to be prayed over. They need to be shared. They need to be vented in a safe, wonderful Christian environment. There's a song that I've sung many times. Oh, Lord, your tenderness, melting all my bitterness. Oh, Lord, I receive your love. Oh, Lord, your loveliness, cleansing all my ugliness. Oh, Lord, I receive your love. My friend, you need to receive the love of God during those times. And during those times, the only way God can really do that is through his body, the church of Jesus Christ. And you need to be around people like Barnabas, the son of consolation in the book of Acts, who was comforting and encouraging and strengthening individuals. So don't isolate yourself during those times. Another important lesson that we learned from the Thomas story is of what happens when you miss church meetings. I refer to Sunday meetings, Sunday school, small groups, fellowships, and right now during this period over Zoom and other means that we are long distance connecting. You see, if Thomas had been there on Resurrection Sunday, he would have been blessed just like the other disciples to see Jesus personally and touch him. And also to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You remember when Jesus appeared, what did he do? He breathed upon them, right? And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And Thomas would have been rejoicing that whole week. Rather than mourning and grieving that Rabbi Jesus the Messiah, he was dead. And dear friend, dear brother and sister, when the devil comes and he says... Oh, you don't bother. You don't just go to church or miss that small group meeting or fellowship meeting or whatever the case may be. You are going to miss Jesus. Right? right? Where two or three are gathered in his name, Jesus said, he will be there. So you will miss Jesus and you will miss also the blessing. Uh, you remember in Thomas's case, he missed the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You will miss blessings if you miss church. I read in verse 24, now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. <laughs> I'm trying to sort of visualize the situation. After a resurrection Sunday, uh, at some point, the disciples met Thomas, and they said, Oh, Thomas, you won't believe what happened. Cleopas and Mary, they were going to their town on Sunday, and Jesus met them, and he opened up all those wonderful scriptures from the Old Testament for a couple of hours, and then they had uh, supper together, and then Jesus left. Here is Cleopas. Ask him. And then they would say, Ask Mary Magdalene. Here she is. She was the one that went with the spice-bearing women on Resurrection Sunday to put those spices on the body of Jesus. And the angel was there said, he is not here. He's risen. 
Later on, Mary went back again to the garden area, and Jesus personally appeared to her. Here she is. You can interview her. And I'm sure Peter recounted his story of how after he heard what the women had said, that the grave was, the tomb was empty, he and John ran, and you know who got there first, right? The young guy. John got there first, but he waited. Peter went in. He looked. He looked at the grave clothes, and he was scratching his head, saying, what, what, what happened here? The Bible says he was wondering. He still did not believe until Jesus met Peter on Resurrection Sunday in a one-to-one meeting. We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that Peter met Jesus personally. And then John would share how he looked at the grave clothes. And he said, wow, what Jesus said came true. His reason, why? Many people have missed this detail that it was not just grave clothes just sitting there. Inside the grave clothes were 75 pounds of spices that Nicodemus had bought and wrapped them with the grave clothes. So what happened was, when John went in, he saw the face cloth being on the side. He looked inside, and it was like a chrysalis, like a mummy. He looked inside, there's no body. And he's saying, there's no way that somebody could get out of this unless he's risen from the dead. And it says, John, when he saw the grave clothes, he believed. I'm sure they showed Thomas the food that Jesus had eaten, fish and honey. And they said, look, ghosts don't eat, right? Here is some of the food that Jesus ate with us. And they reminded Thomas some nine times I counted in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus said something as follows. He said, we're going to Jerusalem. I will be arrested. I will be tortured. I will be crucified. But every time he would end what? But on the third day, I will rise again. Amen. Thomas, do you remember Jesus said that? And Sunday was the third day. The prophecy came true. And all the other disciples, Nathanael and Philip and others, they would say, Thomas, we're not lying to you. Honestly, we touched the risen Lord. Take our word. We would not lie to you. But doubts in Thomas's mind were rampant. He stated three conditions, three conditions for his belief. Condition number one, unless I see, right, with my own eyes. Number two, unless I put my finger at the nail prints. Condition number three, unless I put my hand at his wounded side. I will not believe, I will not believe, I will not believe. Friends, that is volitional, willing unbelief. Volitional, willing unbelief. Just like the people who believe in the flat earth society, right? They willingly are dismissing all the signs and the facts. I remember in Greece a couple of years ago, I was at a village and they had a mule. And I've seen 
what a stubborn mule looks like. You know how they put their legs like that? And I remember one guy pulling from the front, one guy pushing from the back. That's what Thomas was at this point in his life. He was a stubborn mule. It seems to me that Thomas was brainwashed by the materialistic philosophy of the priests at the Jerusalem temple, the religious leaders of the day. Most of them, they were Sadducees. And the Bible records for us five teachings that they were passing on. Teaching number one was that there are no spirits, there are no angels. Teaching number two, there is no such thing as the resurrection. Even though in the Old Testament you had people raised from the dead. You remember Elijah and Elisha and others? Teaching number three, they said God does not perform any supernatural miracles. Teaching number four, there is no afterlife. Teaching number five, they accepted only the five books of Moses. They disregarded the prophetic books and the Psalms and everything else. Friend, guess what? We have those modern-day Sadducees in the 21st century. They call themselves secular humanists. Secular humanists. And they are especially prominent in schools, universities, government, uh, uh, colleges, etc. And the secular humanists do not accept the three tiers of existence that Christians believe in. You see, they believe only the material world. They don't accept the spiritual world. So we Christians, we believe that there is tier number one where God, the angels, even the demonic activity is taking place. That's the spiritual world. And we say with the materialists, yes, there is a material world, the earth and the cosmos and the universe. But then there is another tier, the in-between, where the spiritual world meets with a physical world, where the one is impacting the others. For example, this morning we prayed. Why did we pray? Because we believe that our prayers will move the spiritual world to do something here on earth. Amen. See, this is the middle tier, the third tier. However, materialists, they reject the other two tiers. And I'm so saddened when I see some, well, I will call them liberal theologians, not liberal politically, liberal theologically, and preachers who are also materialists. And they have been brainwashed, and they will say there is no such thing such as miracles. How sad. The materialists say only what can be verified with our five senses. Only that is true. And their mantra is what? Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. Just like Thomas. If I see, if I put my finger, if I grasp. Well, Jesus teaches us that the seeing is believing doctrine is wrong. Did you hear me? That the seeing is believing doctrine is wrong. The Bible says the opposite. Believing is seeing. Amen. Believing is seeing. And you know what? I have verified that this is true. I don't know if you gentlemen have this experience many times. I will go to the fridge. I will go to my 
cabinet or something and try to find either my socks or something in the fridge, and I can't see it. Literally, I cannot see it. And I will say, Angela, where is such and such? And she says, it's right there. And she will come and point it out. And suddenly I see it. It proves if you don't believe it's there, you don't see it. Pastor Nick, does that happen to you? <laughs> you see? It's, it's, if you don't believe it, you don't see it. And we guys seem to have less faith than uh, the ladies. Anyway, that's what I have discovered. And regretfully... All our schools brainwash us from very young to doubt, to disbelief, to be skeptical, to reject miracles and the supernatural. How sad that even Christians, because we've gone through the system, we get brainwashed. And I know that personally. That there was a time I questioned whether miracles and things like that occurred. Now I know because I've seen and I've heard. Amen. Amen. Let's look at... Uh, we've seen number one, doubts rampant. Let's look at number two, doubts refuted in verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then, Thomas said, then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe after another week again jesus rearranged his molecules by the way folks we may see this wall it's solid wall no it's not it's mostly empty space if you look at the atomic structure you will see there is a nucleus and then the electrons around it and most of it it's empty space and jesus was able even with closed doors just rearrange his molecular structure and appear into that room even though the door was locked and the windows and when Thomas the previous week was refuting and strongly disagreeing with the ten disciples that they met Jesus, the risen Lord, physically, Christ was there spiritually. For as we see, Jesus repeats verbatim the three conditions that Thomas gave. And I'm sure Thomas was shocked that Jesus knew. You see, God knows everything. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we think. As a matter of fact, not a hair falls off our head without God taking notice. You see, God knows you intimately. Intimately. Can you visualize how Thomas's trembling finger touched the nail prints as he verified personally that it was not an apparition? It was not a ghost, but a real body. After a while, Jesus gave the command, stop doubting and believe. In other words, doubts refuted. Now, somebody may say, what is the definition of believing or faith? And I found there are lots of uh, verses in the Bible. Let me give you two verses that are really uh, meaningful to me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I wonder, can, you, can we say that together? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then there is another verse, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we Christians walk by what? By faith. 
not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Over the 35 years of ministry, I've witnessed the amazing Holy Spirit power of regeneration. As God transformed people that were filled with bitterness, with legalism, with crime, and much other evil, and filled them with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness. And I hope that you have personally heard or seen those wonderful testimonies of how they were transformed from sinners unto saints, drug addicts, alcoholics, criminals, whom God transformed. We have seen point number one, doubts rampant. Number two, doubts refuted. Let's look at number three, doubts renounced. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. As Thomas's doubts were dispelled, now he renounces all that he had previously stated. Now Thomas is ready to make those two declarations which pleased Christ. Number one, Jesus is divine. Jesus is divine. Jesus is my God. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And declaration number two, my Lord, my Lord. Friends, this is such an important declaration, my Lord. Fifty-two years ago, my family arrived here in Canada, and some years later, I became a Canadian citizen and took the oath of allegiance to Queen Elizabeth II. And... At that time, I took an oath. And now Queen Elizabeth, she's my queen, my queen. Whereas President Biden, he's not my president. I'm not an American. I'm a Canadian. My Lord and my God was Thomas's declaration. And guess what? Do you know how far Thomas traveled? According to church history, he went all the way to India and to China. According to church history, all the way to India and China. And we have right still, after 2,000 years, a denomination in India that's called the Bar Thomas Church that traces its lineage all the way back to the Apostle Thomas. Friend, during this Easter season, can you make that declaration? Jesus is my Savior and Lord. I know the difference between Savior and Lord. In 1961, in a summer camp in Greece, I accepted Christ as my Savior. He was not my Lord for about another 10, 11 years later. Where you have to say, Lord, I hand all things over to you. Amen. Do not only invite Jesus to the living room to be your guest, but invite him to all the areas and rooms of your life. Now, after this encounter, you would think, Probably Jesus would say, bravo, Thomas, I'm so proud of you. Well done. Is that what happened? No, that's not what happened. I read in verse 29, Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, in a polite way, Jesus rebuked Thomas. He said, 
Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. This is not faith. This is just a confrontation with the facts. But more blessed will be those who will believe without seeing me. And I'm sure that Thomas probably spread that news wherever he went. He would tell people, you know, in China and in India, he would preach them the gospel. And he would say, folks, if you trust the gospel, Jesus said, you will be more blessed than me because I believe because I saw and I lost the blessing, whereas you will be more blessed because you have believed without seeing me, without seeing Christ. Friends, I really thank God that Thomas became the catalyst for some great truths. I would like to read a couple of verses from John's Gospel, chapter 14, where we have another wonderful interaction of Thomas and Jesus. John 14, verse 5. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Four wonderful revelations because Thomas asked that question. Number one, there is no other way to God except through Christ. Number two, there is no other truth except Jesus. By the way, truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. Number three, there is no eternal life apart from Christ. Number four, no one comes to the Father, Jesus said, but through me. Dear friend, as you already know, Buddhas' grave is not empty. His bones are still there. Mohammed's grave is not empty. His bones are still there. Herr Krishna's grave is not empty. The bones are still there. The only tomb that's empty is Jesus because he is alive, alive forevermore. Will you today proclaim like Thomas, Jesus is my Lord and my God. Jesus is my Lord and my God. For those of our congregation and others that are over the internet and Zoom, or whatever media you're using, and you have never asked Jesus to become your Savior, today I invite you to make that very important life-changing decision. Here is a, a little formula, if you wish, I would like to give you, and you probably can remember the word sorry, the word please, and the word thank you and please, words that you have used. The first one, Lord, I am really sorry. That means repentance, right, for my sins. Number two, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. And number three, please fill me with the Holy Spirit. I will pray this simple prayer, and I urge you to pray it with me. Wherever you are right now, God is there. He's going to hear you. He's going to answer you. And your name will be written in the book of life. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, on this Lord's Day, I am truly sorry for my sins as I repent of them. Lord Jesus, I thank you from the depths of my heart for dying for me at the cross. 
And Holy Spirit, please fill me with your power that I may be able to live the resurrected life. I accept you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. For those who have prayed that prayer today, I invite you to contact Pastor Nick and Pastor Lisa and request from them some helpful literature that I'm sure they will give you and send it to you that will help you grow in your spiritual life. And mark this day in your calendar that this is the day you pray for Jesus to come into your life. God bless you.